You have your outline there. We're going to start potentially a new series. I know I'm going to at least do this one message uh, on truth. We're going to talk about the spirit of truth. And uh, I'll just kind of preface this with, with where I've been the last few months, just been looking at the, the culture wars and the, the words in society and, and so many different things transpiring and feeling really um, concerned over the, the way that I see the church, particularly those in the church, drifting from the plumb line of truth. Truth is a critical plumb line for the church. If we imagine that truth is uh, subjective or that it's, uh, you know, able to be revised or that it's in any way subject to public opinion or, or in any way, um, you know, subject to the, the changing tides of society, uh, then we don't understand what truth is. And so a lot of the current rhetoric, a lot of the current happenings have really caused a concern in my own heart. And so I wanted to at least hoist a flag today and just talk about truth, give definition for truth, and speak of truth as the plumb line uh, of our faith. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to take a look at these things. Um, take a look there at your outline. There's a couple verses I just want to read. And then I want to share a a prophetic encounter that I had in 2007. Proverbs 3, verse 3, it says this, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. You know, uh, wisdom is, is Jesus Christ. He's made known to us wisdom and, and knowledge. And him are hidden, hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. And Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And the scripture is clear that the issue of truth is so critically important that it's something we're to fasten to ourselves. We're never to let it go. And uh, just a side note, the issue of mercy and truth, that's, that's the, that word for mercy is the Hebrew word chesed, which means loyal love. You'll see it interpreted as love, mercy, uh, kindness. But the issue of love and truth, they always go together. They're like two, they're like two uh, wonder twins, power twins in the scripture. But the, the writer of Proverbs here is really intentionally says, don't ever... Don't ever let truth forsake you. Bind it to you. Uh, Fasten it around you. Write it on your heart. Look at Proverbs 23, 23. He says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Don't sell out on truth for anything or for anyone, for anybody's opinion. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. So the scripture takes truth and it puts it at a centrally uh, important place for believers. It's critical. And here's what we're going to find out. That truth is not subject to anyone's opinion. It's not subject to anyone's experience. 
It's not subject to anyone's preferences. Truth is truth, and truth is it's set, it's static, it's established, and it's an expression of the very nature of God. God is the one who defines truth. He alone is the definer of it. Come on now. Truth. And I'm, I'm finding this, that right now, truth is on trial. It's on trial in the court of public opinion and preference and experience. And, uh, you know, the personal testimony is, is, you know, the expression of people's hearts. And, and, and they're saying, well, this is what I've experienced. This is what, what I understand. This is how I feel. I'll tell you what, I, I've never seen uh, the, the escalation of personal feelings exalted in a way that is exalted right now. It's like if somebody says they feel something or something made them feel a certain way, it doesn't matter what truth is. All of a sudden, we've all got to bow down to their feelings. This is bizarre, beloved. And and so there's this mentality that truth is subjective based on personal experience. And like I said, it's like truth is on trial. And uh, all of a sudden, now we've got this idea that uh, truth is different for you than it is for you. Because your reality is one thing and your reality is another thing. But if we, if we conceive of truth as being different depending on an individual, then what we have are billions of truths based on individual preferences and experience. And I would propose this, that truth is not subjective. It's not personal. It's not defined by any individual. It's only defined by God. Only defined by God. And when we get into this zone of allowing the truth to morph or to be, to be uh, you know, sort of truncated or, or to be changed or, or to be uh, subject to individual testimony. Well, my, you know, what's true for me is what's true for me and what's true for you is true for you. All of a sudden, we've left truth. We're using the language of truth, but we don't realize we departed from truth a long time ago. When we, when we, you know, when you look at philosophy and you look at the concepts of philosophy, you'll find this this idea of subjective reality. And you've heard it before. You, you know, you maybe didn't understand that that was a philosophical concept, but that those concepts are are, are decades old. But it, it simply is this subjective reality is just what I described. Your reality is your reality. My reality is my reality. You're okay in your reality. What's good for you is good for you. It may not be good for me, but that's okay because your reality is your reality. My reality is my reality. And if we imagine that reality is subjective based on an individual, then if we swallow that pill, then we'll go ahead and swallow the pill that truth is subjective based on an individual. But that's never been how the scripture has expressed truth. Truth is static. Truth is established. It's from everlasting to everlasting. God is the definer of truth. Jesus Christ is made unto us. Uh, He's made known to us grace and truth. He's the embodiment of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. His word is truth. Come on. And so truth is not subject to anything. Truth is established. Truth is a done deal. The question is, will we love truth? Will we agree with truth? Will we say yes to truth? 
Now, here in your notes, I, I, I give a couple uh, bullet points on a prophetic encounter that I had in 2007. Now, think back in your mind to 2007, and you'll, you'll recognize that none of the culture wars that we're experiencing today were happening then. None of the rhetoric at the level that it's, it's going on in society today was going on then. I, was, I remember I was in the prayer room, and I was in this moment of prayer, and I was in this kind of rarefied moment where the presence of the Lord was, was there in, in, in a plus one kind of way, and I'm just praying, and I begin to see in my mind's eye, I begin to see this massive dark cloud, and it's descending over people. And as they would come under this cloud, it was like they would just lose their bearings. They were, they were subject to deception. And, uh, and so this dark cloud is covering virtually everybody. And uh, the issue was the love of truth. I could see that, it, it, that truth was what was going on. Uh, the, the, the deceiving of hearts and the, 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 that truth was being given up. And so, and I wrote there in the notes that those who had a love of truth weren't being touched by it, but those who did not have a love of truth were completely enveloped by it. And I remember seeing this thing, and it was, it was really just pervasive. And I thought, man, what is going on? And the Lord spoke to my heart, just the, the inside. Uh, I heard the Lord speak to me saying, there's a coming a time, and now is when truth will be the most important issue on planet earth. The love of truth will be the defining issue. And uh, I was just looking through some notes this week, and I thought, man, 2007, you know, I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote this, when I saw this. You know, I thought, well, it's going to be bad at the end of the age. Antichrist is coming. Uh, I don't know. There'll be a lot of deception in the earth. Here we are eight years later, and I go, oh, my goodness. This looks like a description of where we are right now because I'm watching not just society. I'm watching people in the church, people that have loved Jesus for a long time because they don't have an anchor of truth in their soul. Being, all of a sudden, they're being dissuaded from the truth to believe lies and deception and, and, and they're being moved away from the truth of the scripture on the basis of opinion, preference, uh, human testimony. Those human testimonies are some of the most powerful emotional, you know, uh, 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 you know, emotional pulls on our heart. But so often, a human testimony is just that. It's just human. It's just flesh. It doesn't accord with truth. And, and so I've, I felt very stirred over the, the issues surrounding, you know, what was going on in, in the, the public the last several weeks. I, you know, uh, the, our Supreme Court has heard a case that will either legalize gay marriage uh, across the nation or leave it back to the states to decide. Of course, many states have already legalized it. So we have that issue. Then we have this transgender issue coming to the forefront and being a, a major, major issue in, in society. And uh, just in light of that and, and, and watching some of the rhetoric, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and stick my neck out there and just speak truth. That's what I'm going to do. Because uh, if we don't have our, our hearts anchored to truth, we will be swept away in deception. 
And so I want to, uh, to declare a clear voice for truth. I want to do it with boldness and meekness and humility and love. So I need you to pray with me because the only one that I get naturally is boldness. <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit on all the other points to help me to be a representative of his heart. Okay, so what we're going to do today is just sort of define truth. That's, that's what my main point is. I want to define truth and call us back to the plumb line of biblical truth. We need to understand the spirit of truth, which is there, Roman number two in your notes. I'm using this phrase, spirit of truth, uh, in a biblical way. I'm not using it uh, the way that it mostly appears in the Bible. The way that it mostly appears in the Bible is uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, understanding uh, the spirit of truth. You could think I was saying understanding the Holy Spirit because he's referred to as the spirit of truth three or four times in the New Testament. I'm referring to this phrase, spirit of truth, the same way that uh, John does in 1 John, where he describes the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. And what he's doing there in 1 John is he's dealing with a lot of the deceptions that have, that have been going forth in the land at the time. And, and so I'm using it in that sense, the spirit of truth. What goes into uh, legitimate truth? What is it? And we need to understand the components of truth. All right, so... A, under Roman numeral two. Firstly, God has placed truth as the plumb line of all things in the kingdom and really of all things in creation. There is a singular foundational plumb line of truth and God is the creator of that plumb line. No human can come up with what the truth is. God has already set it in place. Do you follow me? There's one creator, and he has given us what truth is. Human beings are now subject to God's truth. Whether we believe God's truth or not, it's really within, you know, it's up to us and by the Holy Spirit, his help, but that doesn't determine whether or not truth is true. Truth is true whether we embrace it or not. Isn't that right? I know that I've tried to overcome the truth in different ways. You know, you're driving your car and you have this gauge. On one end, it says E, and on the other end, it says F. And over by the E, there's this red spot. And that red spot, when the, when the little thing, little needle gets into the red, it, it gets into the red because it's saying to you, stop, you're about to run out of gas. Well, it doesn't matter that that's been saying that to me. Many times I've been driving my car, and there was the needle in the red, and there was that E telling me, empty, empty is on the way. And I thought, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. There, there's more gas in my gas tank somewhere. There's this reserve tank or something. It's in the gas line. There's another way that I can do this than having to stop right now and get gas, and as that needle began to get to the edge of red, I thought, no, for sure, I get good gas mileage. This car's very efficient. I drive a Civic. It's very efficient. It can go a long time on a little bit of gas. But guess how far it can go on no gas? Zero. And even though the E is flashing at me with red and the needle is in that red spot, and I know that that means, I know the truth of that, that that means, man, you're out of gas if it gets there. Somehow I'd stare right at it and try to make truth bend to my reality, which my reality was I didn't want to listen to the truth. I didn't want to have to stop. 
Well, guess what? I stopped anyway involuntarily. Anybody ever done that? What's wrong with us? Truth can be shouting at us. And there's that little thing on the inside. We just like to say, I know better. I know better. I know better than E. I've got another gear. D, don't stop. You know, we, we just want to add something to it. And really, it doesn't matter what we feel or think. It doesn't change the fact that truth is truth. I remember as a, a brand new Christian, I remember having this conversation. I was uh, with my college roommate. He'd been saved uh, uh, several years more than I had. I would just gotten saved. And, and we began to talk about the issue of abortion. And, uh, and he was, you know, really energized about it. He's like, man, they're, they're killing babies. I go, dude, they're not killing babies. It's a surgical procedure on a, on a, a mass of tissue that's not even a baby. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm born again. I'd been saved, a, a, you know, a, a short period of time. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, that's not a baby. It's not a baby till it comes out. He goes, well, guess what? I go, what? He goes, it has its own heartbeat at three and a half weeks. And I remember the lightning bolt of truth hitting my heart. I go, what? It's just a mass of cells. He goes, yeah, that mass of cells has its own heartbeat at three and a half weeks. Where most women don't even realize they're pregnant yet. And through abortion, that heartbeat has to be stopped to, for an abortion to take place. And that thing went through me like a lightning bolt. And I remember the, the embarrassment. I remember the shame. I remember like feeling, you know, unstable because something I had believed that I was like, whatever, man, it's not, that, you know, this isn't a big deal. You guys are, you know, making some crazy, you know, leaps about this issue of abortion. People can make their own choice. All of a sudden, the truth that someone's heart has to stop for an abortion to be carried out, it went through me like a lightning bolt. And in one instant, truth hit me and I had a choice to make. Would I side with the truth that that thing, you know, that abortion was actually killing a person? Or would I just say, that's not real, that's not true, and try to deny and suppress it? And each of us have had times in our lives where truth hit us and what we thought we knew all of a sudden was reoriented and we had that opportunity to decide is truth true or my opinion true and here's the deal as times get darker and as we get closer to the lord's return deception is going to grow more intense in the earth and i don't share that with you to scare you i i share that with you to let you know the only way that you'll be able to discern what's deception and what's truth is to get so much truth in your heart that you immediately know the flavor of each you get your heart full of truth so that when you smell something that's not true Man, that internal plumb line of truth filling your heart with the word of God. All of a sudden, you know, man, that does not, that's not the right flavor. That's not the real thing. And we get filled with truth so we can discern 
deception. So God has placed truth as the plumb line of all things in the kingdom. God is called the God of truth. Therefore, he alone is the definer of truth. Hear me very, very clearly. God alone is the definer of truth. There is no subjective reality. There is no, I'm okay, you're okay, you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe, it's all fine, I just, I honor you and, and your, your truth, and you just have to honor me and my truth. Now listen, there can't be multiple truths. One thing is true, and if it's in opposition to the truth, that's a fantasy, that's a lie, that's a falsehood. Truth is true, and God's the one that set it up that way. It's not, truth isn't subjective, uh, it's objective. In other words, it, it, it doesn't change based on circumstances. It doesn't change on, based on public opinion. It doesn't change based on any individual's experience. It, it doesn't. Truth is still true, regardless of what the person's experience is. And God has caused truth to be fixed. It's not open to personal application. Truth is the same for every individual in every generation. Look at Psalm 100 right there. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. His truth endures to all generations. It does not change. It does not change. And so as I'm looking at the issues in society right now. Especially the issues of, of homosexuality. Homosexual marriage transgenderism and and how many are just you know well that's that's how they feel that's how they feel on the inside and you know we really need to just love them i'm sitting having to go back to the scripture and go okay what does the bible say about love what does the bible say about truth what does the bible say about you know god's intention for human creation i went back to genesis and, and and the bible still says this that that God created man in his image and likeness, male and female. He created them. That's it. He didn't give us other categories. He, he didn't, you know, give us variation. Male and female, he created them, period. And, and I've got to stand underneath the truth and let the truth dictate to me what's real and what's not real. Because if I go based off of your reality, all of a sudden the shifting sand of individual reality, it will take us completely away from truth. Let me show you how it works. If the truth is a plumb line set like this, pointed straight north, we can start here with just a bit of deception, just a little bit of deception, a little bit of journey from the truth. And you can't even hardly tell that my fingers aren't pointing the same direction. But if we take the deception to its logical end, we'll find truth is here and the deception will bring us over here. And all of a sudden, we'll find ourselves carried away by, by false winds of doctrine, carried away by by human uh, preferences. There's a sway of influence upon the world. First John 5 describes how the whole world lies under the sway of the enemy, of Satan. Let me ask you something. Is Satan the uh, father of truth? He's the father of lies. So when we have the, the world being swayed by Satan, 
then what we're going to find is what's popular in the world under the expression of Satan's influence is going to be in opposition to the truth of God's word. Isn't that correct? Here's our challenge in the church. We've been working so long to be relevant and to relate to a world that's fallen and under the sway of the enemy that now we're caught flat-footed because where is our anchor? Where's our plumb line? Beloved, I'm serious. I'm concerned over these issues. I went and read every verse in the Bible that has the word truth in it this week. I didn't just read them over. I mean, I read them in context, studied them, meditated on them. And it was like a gigantic spotlight being shown on my soul. And where it meant slick arguments and, and real emotional appeals and all sorts of things had kind of, I felt them tugging my heart. Man, all of a sudden, the spotlight of the word of God coming on my soul. I'm like, no, those thoughts are deceiving thoughts. They're doctrines of demons is what the scripture says. Trying to pull me off of the truth. Let me tell you this. Hear me real clearly. What we're seeing in the earth right now, what we're seeing in our nation right now, the, the, the deceiving uh, lies uh, uh, that, are, that are morphing creation roles and, 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 and you know, putting pressure on, on, on people to, to not preach the Bible and not preach the truth, this is minor league compared to what's coming. It's minor league, guys. And I'll tell you, I feel it in the atmosphere. I feel the pressure to just pull off of speaking the messages that are gonna cut the truth straight. I feel the pressure to not call homosexuality sin. I feel the pressure of it, but I'm going to tell you what, and as, as tenderly and, and as kindly as I can, can, homosexuality is still sin. It's still sin. And, and we love anybody who is wrestling with same-sex attraction. We love you. We want you to get delivered. We want you to know the freeing power of the blood of Jesus to set you completely free from everything that would bind you. But I feel the, the pressure to, to not be forthright about the truth, to suppress the truth. And the more I look at the scripture, here's what I have to recognize. I'm not going to answer to any human. I'm going to stand before the one who is truth itself, look into his eyes, and have to give an account for what I said and what I believed. And each one of us will have to as well. And at that point, public opinion really isn't going to matter. The one who is the definer of truth, his opinion is the only one that matters. Now, here's the other thing about truth. Truth is set, it's static, it's, it's founded, it's grounded, it's everlasting, it's not changing. God is the definer of it, not a human. But look at the second point, B. Love and truth must go together. And if I can just be as bold to say, this is where we've kind of blown it in the church. We've kind of gotten to the place of like, bless God, we just got to speak the truth. Well, half the time, our truth comes across like a, a clanging symbol because it's devoid of love. Love and truth have to go together. They have to go together. Ephesians tells us speaking the truth in love causes us to grow up in all things, even to the head of Christ. If we don't have love, I will say it even this way. 
our truth is incomplete. Hallelujah. If we don't have love, our truth is incomplete. Here's why. The biblical version of truth is always married to love. It's always married to, trust me, I've read all the verses. (laughs) They're always married together. Love has truth woven into it, and truth has love woven into it. Truth and love go together. There is no, well, bless God, I'm just going to tell them the truth, whether they like it or not, and just having that attitude. That's not even in there. Somebody goes, well, the prophets, what about them? They were mostly weeping and in pain over the state of society. Each of the prophets weeping, gripped in pain as they would speak the truth of God's judgments. We imagine this mad prophet figure getting up and going, repent, in just this nasty voice. I will tell you, I don't believe that's how it was at all. John the Baptist said he was full of joy when he saw the bridegroom. I will guarantee you, John the Baptist had a joy that you and I do not know about. And when he was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, I guarantee you that truth, that sort of truth was coming across with a very tempered heart in tenderness and love. This, this vision we have of this angry prophet yelling at people to repent, that is not true to the scripture. Love and truth must go together. Love demands that we speak truth. Now, this is where we've gotten confused. Somebody said, well, do you agree with me that, you know, homosexuals are, are born that way? And I, I said, no, I, I don't agree with you. Well, you're a hater, you hate me. No, I love you. I disagree with you. But if you don't agree with my truth, this is who I am, then you hate me. No, no, no. I can love you and disagree with you. Just ask my wife. <laughs> we love each other, but we don't always agree. Come on now. Are you married folk? Come on. If agreement equals love, we're all lost. I can disagree with you, but still fully love you. And the fact of the matter is, if I love you, it demands that I tell you the truth. If I love you, I'm going to tell you what's real. I'm going to tell you what's true. I'm not going to let you speed headlong into destruction and just go, well, I love you, so I just don't want to ruffle any feathers. No, no. Love demands us to speak truth. Do you hear me? Love compels us to speak truth. The fact of the matter that I love requires me to be honest with you. I can't. I can't subvert truth or deny truth or or lie to you in the name of love. That's false. No, love requires me to speak truth. It compels me to. I would prefer many times because of the awkward nature of truth to not have to speak the truth. You know, truth can be very difficult. Truth can be awkward. Truth can be painful. Hello? Hello? When I set my alarm and I have to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning, when that alarm goes off, it doesn't matter how sweet, no matter what kind of sweet song I set, 
a mile long. I, I, I set the most ethereal sounding, ooh, la, 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 wake up, Billy. <laughs> but at 6 a.m., it's painful no matter what. The truth that it's 6 a.m. is painful. And no matter how much I want to try to snooze it, turn over, five more minutes, I'm late if I'm not out of bed, if I needed to be out of bed at 6 o'clock. Truth is painful sometimes. And here's what we imagine. We imagine somehow that truth never hurts. Guys, truth hurts. Truth is painful. When I first heard the truth about abortion and had had, had to go through in my mind that I had affirmed it and actually told people that it's okay, that hurt. Truth hurts because we are not aligned to truth by our, our, our natural, our, 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 our nature. We're not aligned to truth by our nature. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us and conform us to the image of Christ, to the image of truth. Isn't that correct? So the truth is a challenging thing. And love, it compels me to speak truth. But here's the deal. Truth demands that we speak in love. Because truth and love are inextricably linked. They go together. God has a singular plumb line. It's truth. And that plumb line is woven to love. They go together. If I'm going to speak truth, I must speak it in love. Otherwise, the scripture says, I am like a clanging cymbal. That my loveless truth is ultimately worthless. Love and truth are inseparable. Here it is, uh, number four under B. Love without truth is nothing more than human sentiment which falls outside of God's intention for love. And man, I, I tell you, I know, I know the rhetoric is difficult to deal with. Somebody said, well, you believe that God is love, right? And I go, well, of course. And then they go, well, well, we love one another. I mean, it doesn't matter that, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a male and a male. We love each other and, and God is love and And let me ask you this, how can love be denied? And I just, I've had this conversation with people who identify themselves as homosexual. And I said, well, the challenge is this, you're feeling human love, but you're not feeling heaven's love. Because God defined his love in a certain way that's different than your experience. And as difficult as that is to say, well, you're saying I'm lesser than you. Look, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that there's one truth and your experience is not it. And as difficult as it is to say that, I can't, I can't act like I'm in love, walking in love with somebody if I will not be truthful. And there is no love without the truth. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. It tells us about love. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in truth. Love is woven to truth. Same chapter. Truth without love is worthless. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I've got a bunch of truth. Maybe I've got all the truth. But if I have have not love, I am nothing. They go together, beloved. See, God's truth endures forever. I've already hit this. It's established forever. It endures to all generations. 
Just because the tide of sin gets worse and worse in the world doesn't mean that truth is up for grabs. Come on. Daniel 8 tells us that Antichrist at the end of the age will cast truth to the ground. Well, that's going to come after generations of deception going forth. And ultimately, every deception is geared to, to mar and to disfigure the knowledge of God. That's what, that's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10. He said, all these, these strongholds are exalted against the knowledge of God, these, these lies, these imaginations, these falsehoods. And when you see society, you know, hook, line, and sinker on, on a certain, you know, uh, uh, a vibe, on a certain, you know, falsehood, I'll tell you, it's got demonic power behind it. When you see the masses running headlong in, into what's popular and it's in opposition of, the, of the, the word of God, that's got demon power behind it, guys. That's a stronghold. God's truth endures forever. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. The truth of the Lord endures forever. All right, D. And this is where the rubber is meeting the road for me right now. When I look at the scriptures that describe the status of the earth at the end of the age, and just let them speak for themselves about how deception will go forth and I look at how things are progressing in society, and then I look at different people who, who have been Bible preachers, godly believers, and they are, they are capitulating. They are, they are throwing truth away in, 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 you know, in favor of popular opinion and, 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 and personal experience, I go, oh my gosh, do they not know what the Bible says about how deception will flood the earth at the end of the age? Let me read these verses. I pray they will wash over you and touch your heart in the way that they touched and gripped me. I was trembling under this this week. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times... Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And he goes in verse 3 and he gives some of the, the outcomes. Beloved, this is what's going to come on the earth. Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. The Holy Spirit says expressly that in the last days, some will depart from the faith because they're listening to doctrines of demons. There is spiritual power behind the, the way that the masses in society run. You can see the sway of the, 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 the enemy manifest in society. When unrighteousness abounds, it's because of the, the, the demon power behind these things. Look, man, truth is light. Deception is darkness. As it gets darker, deception is going to become more robust. The church must be more filled with truth so we have light in us. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. 
The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Teachers who will teach fables instead of truth. I was grieved this week. Tony Campolo, many of you know this man. He's been a Bible teacher for years and years and years. He's 80 years old now. He just came out this week saying he's gay affirming and homosexual marriage is good. Beloved, deception is taking root. We have to be anchored to truth or we will be swept away into the deception. Do you hear me? Turned aside to fables, fantasies. I, you know, I just, I can't get out of my mind what it's going to look like when we stand before the one who is truth itself. None of this will be a question at all. There won't be any nuance to it. What's truth will be so evident. What's deception and falsehood will be so evident. And that day of reckoning is coming. I want to anchor to truth at all costs. Second Peter chapter 2. There were also false prophets among the people. And Peter says this, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. I look at that and I say, Lord, we need the anchor, the plumb line of truth in the church right now. You know, the scripture says that the, tr- the church is the foundation of truth. So he says, well, bro, why do you got to be so bold and just say it all like this? Because the church is supposed to be the purveyor of, church, of truth in the earth. The, the church is supposed to be the one that's declaring truth. It's supposed to be telling what the plumb line is so that the society doesn't stray. That's what the church is supposed to be about. Woe to me if I don't speak truth. 2 Thessalonians 2, here's the deal. The love of truth is the safeguard against deception. Look at this. The coming of the lawless one. This is speaking about Antichrist. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I'm telling you, We are in minor leagues. We are in the minor leagues right now as it relates to deception. What's it going to be like when the deceiving words are coming and they're being followed up with lying signs, wonders, and miracles? When people are legitimately getting healed of cancer in someone else besides Jesus' name and it's being followed up with a false message of inclusion. That's where this is going, gang. That's where it's going. And it's gonna, the, the, the deception is going to be strong and the issue is going to be love of truth. Did you love the truth? 
Did you anchor to truth? Did you allow God to define truth? Did you fill your soul with truth? This thing gets so intense. Look at verse 11. And for this reason, for what reason? That they didn't love truth because they didn't love truth. Look, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. What does that mean? That means this, that God will even allow there to be anointing upon the deceptive words. He'll even allow that thing to be, to to have real pull and real anointing on it. And I'm watching right now and I'm reading the, the, the rhetoric and I'm looking at the different ones, theologians, I mean, all sorts of different ones, and I'm, and I'm reading this stuff, and I'm like, wow, that's got a real allure on it. That's got a real pull on it. I, I'm, I'm talking about theologians who are, who are uh, being deceptive, who are, who are propagating deception in the name of theology, and I'll read, I go, wow, that's got a real pull on it. This thing is going to get so intense, gang that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is where it's going. Look at F. This is why this is so serious. Souls are at stake. This is a big deal because here's where it ultimately comes down to. The scripture is clear. God's wrath will be revealed against those who have suppressed and thrown away the truth. Look at this. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I will reference the context. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, right? Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Verse 18 The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. This is a part of the good news gospel proclamation that wrath is coming on the earth and it's going to be pointed at people who reject and suppress truth. Truth becomes the issue. I want to love truth. I want to love it till it hurts. I, I feel compelled to stick my neck out with you in this community, with the internet. Anyone listening online, you need to hear what I'm saying. Truth is going to be the issue at the end of the age. But I feel compelled to stick my neck out right now in these issues. It's only gonna get more difficult and the stakes are too high. We cannot play games with this, gang. We cannot play games with this. Look at verse 25 still talking about the wrath of God coming. It's going to come on those who exchange the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Going forward some more in that same context. Now Romans 2. But to those who are self-seeking. Now look at this. Notice self-seeking. And in Romans 1.25, notice they're serving the creature rather than the creator. There is a, a kernel, a nugget of humanism in there. The issue is human sentiment, and I'm okay, you're okay, and what does your heart tell you, and and how do you feel this nugget of, of humanism being exalted over what the Creator says? To those who are self seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, 
indignation and wrath. Guys, the stakes are too high for us to be goofing around about this right now. And I'll tell you what, the world, they might mock, they might reject, they might call the church haters, but here's the deal. Somebody calls you a hater, you look at them with eyes full of Jesus, with truth filling your soul, and look at them in the eye and go, I love you. I care about you. That's why I'm telling you this. They go, you're a hater. I go, no, I'm a lover. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I love you. And what we're supposed to do is by the Spirit of God exude a different spirit than the one that's compelling the world to run headlong into deception and into sin. This is our portion that in the darkest time the world will ever see that the church would be a light, that we would be filled with love, we'd be filled with truth, and we would be bold to declare it in the face of persecution. Well, not many amens right there, but that's all right. I know I sound a little bit like your morning alarm right now, but we need the sound of the alarm. We need it right now. And, and, and this is what, where my heart is. I, I'm concerned over it. I was in my office uh, this week, and, and Stephen Eugen steps in my office, and he goes, hey, man, how are you doing? And I just, I was right in the middle of this study on the word Truth, I go, truth has fallen in the streets. He goes, you okay? I go, oh, man, I'm just so gripped right now. And just trembling over it. And even today, just praying before the services, I just felt like that, that, that tremble in my soul and the pressure to not be straight about truth. By the grace of God, I will continue to declare the truth of the word of God regardless of how popular it is in the face of sure persecution. Why? Because truth is still truth and Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. We're just gonna stay there. We're gonna stay with that. We're not gonna alter truth. We're not gonna morph it. We're not gonna make it you know, easier for people. We're gonna love people. We're going to love people so big, which compels us to tell truth. Amen.